What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Day Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, leaving a review, and uh, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel the podcast in the tops of the iTunes charts, which will uh, make it more visible for strangers and give it more uh, visibility on the national and international levels and uh, just a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing and and, uh, help grow the show and uh, get more exposure for the folks that come on to share their music and their art and stories and all that good stuff. So if you have a few extra minutes, please take the time to do so. Can't stress the importance of that enough and appreciate the hell out of all the people that have already taken the time to do so. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances as well as live show performances, a bunch of different genres of music covered there. Uh, There's like 150 videos up there, I think, and uh, all kinds of stuff to check out. And you can hit subscribe there as well so you know when the newest videos hit the feed. DanCablePresents.com is the central location to find everything. You can send me emails at dancablepresents at gmail.com and at dancablepresents on Instagram is where I'm at on the social medias usually. You can hit up the Twitter too, at dancable, not to be confused with the uh, motivational speaker at dancable, different guy, but I love getting his tweets as well so we can keep those keep those rolling as well. But uh, yeah, we got episode 184 coming at you. Luke Hogan on the show. Singer-songwriter Luke Hogan. Stoked to uh, share the chat that Luke and I had. Luke played one of the, what would be one of the last shows at the library just a few weeks ago. He had his album released there. And uh, I was stoked we were able to to host that over at the library. Rest in peace, RIP. And uh, it was a it was a really cool opportunity to get to see Luke play for the first time. Uh, I had heard a couple of his tunes prior and was really into it. I'm not sure exactly what playlist episode it was, but uh, maybe a few months ago, I featured uh, a song that I'm going to kick this episode off with, and it grabbed me right away. So I was uh, I was looking forward to this record coming out. Thank you, Stranger, which is the... Uh, the first full length from Luke Hogan, and uh, it did not disappoint. Super, super pumped on this record. I feel like it's a great time for it too, as as the uh, the fall hits here in the Pacific Northwest. Things get getting a little gray and rainy already here, but um, yeah, just some some killer tunes to accompany the season. And I didn't know Luke really at all, and I got to chat with him for maybe five or 10 minutes at that, uh, 
at his album release show and just uh, got warm vibes from him right away and uh, was looking forward to this chat that we had last week. And uh, yeah, just a really fucking nice dude who is uh, writing some cool tunes and just a really cool story of uh, where this record got made and his contribution to that space was uh, a very unique thing. So excited for y'all to hear about that and uh, just really enjoyed getting to know Luke and and hanging out with him for a bit and uh, hearing about where his tunes come from and his approach to the thing and his... uh, his desire to not make the same record twice and to continue to push himself in different directions that, uh, you know, just keep adding to his, uh, his songwriting tool belt. And as he shifts into sort of a producer role with his, his future tunes and, um, yeah, man, I've just been listening to this record a lot. This thank you stranger record and, uh, been, Digging in quite a bit. It's got a lot of cool different dynamics, and I think the recordings are just uh, really, really dialed in for the uh, the style of this music and and uh, what they were aiming for with this. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk of the the production and how things got done. So I will uh, I will save that and stop rambling about things that you're going to hear about in this conversation. But uh, thank you so much for all the people that keep uh, tuning into this thing, all the new listeners. If you're a Luke Hogan fan and you're tuning in for the first time, like I said, fresh episodes coming at you every Friday and uh, really have enjoyed the last few that have come out. So, you know, go back and uh, check out some previous episodes if you're digging what you hear on this one. Also, I, I got into this thing doing this podcast as as sort of a a podcast a junkie and uh and there's a couple new podcasts that i've been checking out and uh one of them is uh the people's party with talib kwali hosted by talib kwali who is one of my favorite rappers and really been digging the conversations he's been having on people's party the most recent episode is with Robert Glasper, and that was a killer conversation. Um, but yeah, just tons of great guests on on that uh, on that podcast, and and uh, fun to hear Talib jump in with uh, some some hip hop legends and some some jazz artists and and all kinds of different musicians and and actors, comedians. So that one is killer, and then also. Uh, the Seven Words podcast hosted by Megan Holiday, who is a uh, a DJ for K Rock in Los Angeles, which is a radio station I grew up listening to. But the Seven Words podcast with Megan Holiday is also very killer. Really enjoying the the stuff that she's producing. So uh, if you're looking for some new casts to check out, aside from this one, of course. Um, those are my recommendations. If you're looking for more stuff in that music or comedy realm, uh, people's party with Talib Kweli and, uh, seven words podcast with Megan holiday. Uh, that's all the things I believe for up top. I don't have a whole lot to say this week. I guess maybe I already did. Maybe that was a lot. Maybe you're ready to get into this thing already. And you're like, 
when's this guy going to shut the fuck up so we can listen to Luke Hogan's music? And the answer is uh, pretty much now. We're going to get into episode 184. Please uh, don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews. Can't stress the importance of, uh, of those enough in, in growing this podcast and uh, contributing to the sustainability of it. But uh, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so you can follow along with Luke Hogan. If you dig what you hear, give that dude a follow on his Instagram and uh, on Spotify, iTunes. You know, save his record in there. Tell your friends. Word of mouth still works. You can just share it up. Be like, hey, I'm listening to this Luke Hogan record. It's pretty great. And uh, yeah, we're doing it, man. Episode 184. We're kicking it off with the first track off of the Thank You Stranger record from Luke Hogan. And uh, this song is called Window Pane. Let's do the damn thing. Will you treat me like a sailor? Break me like a window pane. I'm holding up the heavy in the ruins and the roaring rain. Hungry as an animal, I'm pulling like a dog on a chain. Yeah, you treat me like a sailor, break me like a window pane. And I know his money left behind from the marriage she had before. So I keep my clothes in the suitcase, my boots right by the door. And I live down in the basement, but she lets me sleep up on the second floor. But I know there's money left behind for the marriage she had before. So I guess closing times early in the city tonight. Everyone's running to the place they I'm a bag of nerds who put city lights in Oh, a lesson learned Oh, a lesson learned Everyone's 
it whenever you're ready. Man. I'm ready, man. All right, yeah. Luke. Um, stoked to sit down and, and chat with you about your tunes. I uh, Someone sent me Window Pain, I think was the first track I heard. Yeah, probably. From, that was the first single. Yeah. I think Alex from Public, Public Display. Public Display, yeah. Yeah, sent it over to me. And... Uh, I was just, I was sold right away, man. When cool. I heard those first couple guitar lines and then when your voice dropped in, I was just very into your whole approach and the turns of phrase and, and the lyrics stuck out to me right away. Cool, man. Yeah. Especially with that window pane jam. It's just a cool way to kick off that new record. Thank you, Stranger, that you just put out recently. So yep. Yeah, and those guys at Public Display, Sierra and Alex, are awesome. You know, I'm really glad I, you know, when I moved up here to Portland around Christmas time and I had been uh, trying to figure out what to do with this record and, you know, I was like, I hadn't got much response from labels or anything. And I was like, you know, I know I need someone to help me. And I was like, I'm moving to Portland. It's going to be a brand new city and I need someone local, you know, who's kind of plugged in up there. And they popped right up on the internet and I, I sent them neon and Sierra got like right back to me and was like, all right, let's do something. This is cool. And I was like, wow. All right. Someone got back to me (laughs) (laughs) about this thing I've made. (laughs) Yeah. They've been Um, very cool about sending me tunes over the last couple of years. And I'm glad they, I'm glad they, they knew you to send it to you and stuff. And now here we are. Yeah. It was definitely, like I said, it was definitely something that, that stuck out to me and just really dug the vibe and, and just the, the lyrics and, um, just like that hungry as an animal pulling like a dog on a yeah, chain yeah. line really stuck out to me. And I think that was the song maybe I featured on that, that playlist episode so. too. Yeah, if I, I remember like, correctly, yeah. I was like, Luke Hogan, come on on the show, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm stoked to to just dive in because I like the just the overall vibe of uh, what you captured on, on the record. Just cool. the, the sounds and everything. And kind of getting to see a little inside your process here you're showing me some of your you yeah know, you know uh yeah well tape this recorders here, and whatnot machines and yeah stuff like that um there's a xylophone in here somewhere <laughs> i've been messing around with hell yeah, lately. Hell yeah. And so uh yeah um yeah i'm starting to think about kind of the next one right now too and uh now that this is out and i'd love i want to get something out before the end of this year so i'm trying to decide you know part of me kind of wants to give it a shot on my own you know, with some of these and make kind of like a sparser uh, record. But I'm, I also, you know, I was really lucky to get to work with um, Thomas Dolis down in L.A. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to kind of bounce some of this stuff back off his brain again as well. But, you know, we'll see what happens with with budgets and time and stuff. And um, but I've been starting to mess around with these machines here and it's been fun. So, yeah, yeah. Man. Um I definitely want to talk about some of the different places that you've made your way around to play some music, but let's let's start at the beginning of sure. this, this journey. Where where do you come from originally? Um, so I grew up in a small town just north of Boston, Massachusetts, um, called Marblehead. It's uh, kind of the end of the road down there. It's like a fishing sailing town, um, and it's right next to Salem of the Salem Witch Trials fame is how I usually present. Most people studied that in like third grade or something. So um, so it's like right next door. So it's a very old historical town. The house I grew up in was built in 1713. Oh, damn. Um, and so I that's where I grew up. And um, I went to uh, school in the University of Vermont in Burlington, which there's a pretty cool little music scene there. Um, and so I played in some bands there. And... Um, 
And then after that, I did, I kind of got into, I always supported myself doing carpentry, like all the way through college and, and through, and kind of on a very full-time basis for a few years after college. And so I kind of took a little break from the music thing, at least in a, in a more serious way. I mean, I've always written, a lot of the songs on this record were actually written kind of during that period of time off, so to speak. Um, but, you know, I wasn't really playing many gigs or like networking with musicians and stuff. Um until uh, probably like close to four years ago when I moved out to Los Angeles because I had some of my buddies who had stuck with music um, in the, you know, had been playing, you know, continue to play shows and stuff. They were, you know, I started to notice, I was like, oh man, like these guys are starting to tour and stuff. And uh, that sounds really fucking awesome. And I got to go figure out what how that works. <laughs> um, and so my two of my closest friends that were, you know, kind of doing that sort of thing were out in Los Angeles. So I uh, just kind of packed all my things and went out there. I was like, you know, I, I'd, I'd been doing the carpentry stuff for a while. I kind of got into the point where I knew I could take those skills with me and most likely survive just about anywhere, which has been hugely valuable in this whole music process. The ability to have like some sort of reliable and flexible income, you know, in terms of schedule and stuff. Um, so I ended up out there. This would be like January, February 2016, maybe. Um and was just kind of like starting to, you know, hit some open mics and figure out how to get shows and and stuff and learning from my buddies out there. And that's when I was introduced to Thomas um, Dolus, um, who ended up producing this record. And so the story of that is he had started a little label in, in Los Angeles called Lollipop Records, which puts out a lot of kind of like psyche rock and um, synth poppy type stuff, um, which is a big scene down there, you know. And um, and he had he had just left that label, and he was he needed someone to build him a studio because he wanted to start his own, you know. He was going to try to make a living as a producer, you know, in order to support his project which at the he's still they're actually about to do a new record mr elevator um and now he plays in like the ocs and stuff and uh he's he's awesome he's an unbelievable right. dude <laughs> yeah and so i met him through my buddy johnny who was like hey he was like so thomas asked i think asked john like one of the probably like biggest shots in the dark i think anyone could ever ask it was like hey do you know anyone who would be willing to build a studio in exchange for a record which is about i mean most carpenters aren't musicians you know, <laughs> yeah, i don't know that's a, a gross generalization but it's for the most part it's like a, two different worlds yeah pretty um, wild match yeah. and he was just like actually i think i might have <laughs> just the guy and and so i was like i mean i didn't i had no i, I had no idea you know um Thomas was a great guy when I met him. I had no idea his skills as a. I mean, this could have been anyone. I probably would have said yes to because I needed a, this record and right. and uh, and so we started. We met at this place, and he was like, he he was thinking about renting this little building in Cypress Park, which is uh, northeast LA. And he was like, "What do you think?" He was like, "I think I want to knock this wall down." And like the landlord said, I could do whatever I want, you know, as long as I don't blow the place up. And uh, and I was, I looked at, I said, yeah, we could do it, man. And, uh, and so we did. And so we spent, this would, this would be like May, April, May of 2016. And so we spent the next six weeks or two months or so building a studio. So that was a, that was a grind. Cause I, uh, I, you know, I was like, I had to kind of do the work up front, you know, and I had some money that I had saved, but it was getting pretty low. <laughs> um, but so we we pulled it off and there were definitely a lot of moments, you know, on both, you know, Thomas was paying for the materials. I remember definitely both of us like scratching our heads, like, is this ever going to 
come together, you know, because he he came to me, he was like, what do you think I could do for about a thousand bucks? And I, I was just like, dude, you're not, you're not getting anything built. It was, I don't know. I mean, the, I think we did it. I think he kept it. We kept it under, and I don't, I don't know what the final number was, um, but you know, it was like, whoa, like, you know, as once you get into it, you got to finish. And it's like, where are we going to get some money to finish this thing? But we got it done and everyone loves that studio and, and some great bands have recorded their froth is an awesome uh, kind of like shoegazy band, but they're more than just a shoegaze. Their records are really interesting, and so they were like the first band to come into that studio. And you know, they're they just put out another new record, and they're awesome. So a lot of great bands have have come through there, and everyone loves the space. And I just love getting to know people, and and they always want to know who built the studio. And and then I finally got to go in and do my records. Thomas and I kind of picked away at it on his off days over the course of you know two and a half years maybe that's kind of what kept me in LA for like three years was trying to finish this thing up and and he was just unbelievable you know and he he was like when we were done he was like don't you want to do some more songs I was like well yeah I do but I mean this you know he, he was just so enthusiastic about the whole thing and it wasn't like oh well you know tit for tat quid pro quo like day for day or whatever he was just down to do it and he played on it and he got people to come play on it that I never would have been able to get come myself and um so yeah, I couldn't have been more psyched with the whole thing, and and so so now we have this record that we made together, and it was kind of just you know we became pretty close, and it was just it was a great experience, you know, of uh, kind of like a total. I'm I'm in in retro in hindsight, I'm kind of like wow, like what was I? I mean, this had the potential to turn into most likely a huge disaster. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah, we barely absolutely. knew each other, and and like who knows? But we both were you know stand up guys who who put our best. Uh, stuff on the table for each other and um and it I couldn't be more happy with the record I got to make with him and it, it was kind of like almost like having like the backing of a label or something I didn't have to worry about money when I was in there you know because I mean Thomas hasn't tried as much as he should but it's still a lot of dough for a musician or you know um it's been a long time since I've worked a 40-hour week um but you know so I we got to do different version you know I I we probably spent like close to 50 days in that studio working oh, wow. on this record, which, you know, even at Thomas, you know, in a lot of studios are charging close to 800 a day, a thousand a day. So do the math, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a lot of money that I would have needed to make a record like this. And, but, um, uh, it, it, it worked out. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I would have, I would have never guessed that you spent 50 days or like anywhere in that ballpark just because I think the vibe that you got out of the record just feels like one take shit. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, like I think it just feels yeah. there. There is just a lot of feel on the record, and I think cool. You know, it doesn't no, scream awesome. yeah. to me that it's been like overlayered with production or anything. No, of that no, nature. not at all. I mean, we also we did close to like thirty songs. You know, one oh, wow. th one third of which, um, some of them not necessarily thirty different songs, but you know, some we did like four or five versions of. Um, some we you know, just didn't make it on the, some we messed around with for four or five, you know, for a week or so. And like, we just, you know, after all that, we're just like, you know, whether it wasn't, maybe just the song wasn't there or, or whatever, you know, but yeah, definitely a lot of things we spent a lot of time on that didn't end up on the record as well. But I'm glad that that's the feel that comes through because that's definitely, um, you know, how it should be is like, it should maintain that kind of spontaneity of, you know, that's why music is, is so great is because it's captured live and, and stuff but uh but yeah cool interesting to hear um, it, 
is uh, has making a bunch of different versions of songs and and really tooling away at things always been a big part of your personal process or is that something that Thomas brought out in you? Um, it's it's something that I always have wished um, I was better at is like hearing like because I'll I have a couple of buddies uh, and now Thomas is one of them my buddy Johnny and and uh, uh, he plays under the name Johnny Cosmo he's a LA based guy and and um and our friend Dan you know there's a few people over the year who, years who have just you know I've always kind of brought my songs to and they've 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 taught me and they they're really good at taking my stuff and kind of hearing it differently than me and wanting to try different things and and so I've learned a ton from them and it's something I've always wished I was better at so I learned a ton about like kind of trying to imagine things in different ways and just cuz I'll just sit down and play it the way I wrote it you know and be like okay now we add a few things or whatever but you know these guys will be like well what if we like change this feel entirely and it's like just something that never would have occurred to me you know so um and oftentimes at the very beginning you're like well i don't know about that you know this is how i but then you do it and you're like oh that's better you know or like or it's just really cool and so let's try it this way and see see how it comes out and then you know with the ability to mix stuff and and so long story short it's something i i have learned a lot and and wish i was better at because i've always loved the idea of like being able to just tear something apart and start with it you know in a different approach um and kind of um and and hear it in different ways and so i learned a ton from all these guys about um about kind of how to do that um yeah it's good so, when you have those people around too yeah uh, there's i mean in terms of you know there's you know you can't say enough for just there's just the presence of someone else in a room you know, can be a remarkable influence on, on, or a mar- remarkable change between just you. You know, as soon as someone else hears something or just like changes the situation or the feel of, you know, even in the, even in the most subtle way, it can just be a remarkable improvement. Um, or just to get some I- different ideas flowing, it can be a huge help. You know. Yeah, especially when you're open and willing to hear those ideas, and which not- a lot of people aren't. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know? think I think it's usually part of the growing process to get right. to that point yeah. where you realize that maybe not all of your gut instincts are the best thing for these songs and sometimes it's good to hear somebody else's ideas for them yeah exactly seems um, to like tear down a, a barrier yeah a creative and, and one. can really create some awesome things and that's what i'm kind of you know trying to do in here in my headphones with these little tape machines and it's really easy you know especially with like the you're just in the cans and stuff it's really easy to just to like block everything else out and you know i'm trying to like kind of learn how to just first of all take more time you know just kind of sit with the song for don't try to be like okay i did the guitars and the vocals all right now i gotta find a guitar line now i gotta find a bass line you know and like wrap this thing up <laughs> you know like try to just like spend a few nights with it you know sit down have a few beers with it you know and like just pick up a few different instruments and don't don't plan on your first take or your first idea just don't even think of it as the final idea just be i'm going to try this and then i'm going to try something else you know so that's what i'm trying to do now um and you know and i i you know i'm always trying to talk to people about their process and come up you know there's there's like um some people do little exercises you know like they'll record the guitar and the vocals and then they'll they'll take the guitar out and like force themselves to come up with a, a, a new fundamental piece you know so i've been kind of messing around with stuff like that and i'm i'm trying to really just expand the way i write and stuff um 
you know, to try and get into a new space of like what Luke Hogan music is and, and try to get away, um, you know, keep, keep whatever uniqueness about it that it does have, but, you know, try to, try to, um, explore some new territory, whatever that ends up meaning. Um, you know, like as you mature as a lyricist and, and to try to get away from, you know, kind of like what a lot of people refer to as like the sad white guy, you know, um, I yeah. think he his career is over at this <laughs> point, you know, and it's like how I mean, there's still a lot of great type in, and, and, you know, that's there you, when those good ones come along, you know, like kind of like you do what you do best. And when you do it good, it's it's great no matter what category it falls into. But, um, you know, trying to like, you know, I don't know if mature is the right word or just kind of explore some new and more interesting territory whether lyrically or musically you know i'm a lot more into like uh percussion and like you know trying to create some interesting you know trying to get away from just thinking of myself as a guitar player and a singer and a songwriter and trying to be more of a you know musician and a producer perhaps yeah um which is new new ground for me but now that this is like something i do spend more of my more of my time doing and it's like you know you got to kind of like bridge those gaps on your own and um and try to just get as out there as you can, you know? Yeah, and I don't know. I got to imagine that that attitude is the kind of attitude that hopefully creates some sustainability in the thing, too, when you're willing True, to yeah. learn new things and pick up different instruments and, and just kind of, you know, add to that writing tool belt and and have as many resources as possible so you don't get stuck making the same record yeah, over and over exactly yeah to not make the same record twice is kind of the goal and um and you know any little any little change up can help you know i've been playing in uh, my friend's band recently here in portland seabug it's my buddy lucas's project and uh, that's super fun I've i've always kind of been in my band and it's like just great to be in someone else's band, and and I've always wanted to play bass, and that's why I'm playing in that band, and so that's helping too, you know, you you know everything you can do, uh, you know, you can take it back into your own music and stuff, and and uh, it's also just a little less pressure <laughs> playing in someone yeah. else's band, you, you get know? to just hang out, you don't have to do all the back, you know, the legwork, you just show up for practice, show up for the gig. <laughs> And uh, it's really fun. So that's been kind of something that not only is really fun, and, and it's it's great to, you know, help out your buddies in their projects, but, you know, it also can help you in your project as well. It can kind of reflect back into your stuff. So, so yeah. yeah. Um, what was, like, your early exposure to music? What got you into this? Uh, well, you know, a lot of people laugh when I tell them this, but the reason I started playing guitar was because of the first time I heard smells like teen spirit and like those first, before the distortion kicks in, yeah. it's just like those super like trebly chords and the palm mutes. I was like, I got to learn how to do that. I mean, I don't know why people would laugh right. about that. That's, that's like a fucking very credible story <laughs> yeah, okay, to me. Good, yeah. like, or like, you know, something really yeah. that clicks in with you. Yeah. And, you know, so this was before it was funny. I was actually just telling this story to Jared, who's one of the guys I was on tour with. And, uh, you know, this was before Napster, really. So, like, and it was before I was old enough to really go out and buy CDs and stuff. And what so year I mean, are we talking about? This would, I think I was in fifth or sixth grade. So, we're talking like, I don't know what year is that? Uh, two, like, late 90s. May I ask how old you are? I'm 31 years old. All right. So, so you're just a few years behind me. I'm 34. Yeah, so, yeah. You're so, just like, right around the same. Yeah, so I think I started high school in 2002. Yeah, okay. so this would be like, you know, 1998 yeah. or something. Okay. 
Um, and and it's right around when Napster came out, but we didn't have like a computer that could handle Napster. Okay. It just like exploded if you tried to. Yeah. And my dad got real mad if you <laughs> if you tried to. You're do fucking it. with the bandwidth. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, you barely. It was still like dial up. You know. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like I had no access. So I used to go. My dad would take me to the library, and I'd print out stacks of tabs. And come home and half of these tabs, you know, so I'd I'd be have some access to some of these songs. But I remember like I had the whole Nevermind record in stacks of like paper, but I'd never heard most of the songs. And I had all Kurt Cobain's lyrics and I was just like it was like this mystery. I'd heard like Smells Like Teen Spirit and like and if I you know, but every time you'd get a chance to hear these songs, it was like it was like the best moment of the day. Like if I heard Polly or Lithium on the radio, I'd be like, okay. I used to, ha- I mean, I'm sure a lot of people do this. I used to keep like a tape cassette in the radio. Absolutely. And I'd man. record them and stuff. Hell yeah, making so, your own so, mixtapes that yeah, way. Yeah, and I'd remember looking at these tabs and reading these lyrics and just being like, wow, this is like the craziest stuff. Like, what does this sound like? And like, but that was like my first experience kind of like learning how to play guitar. I was basically learning Nirvana songs as I was able to like hear how they went. And then it was very clear very quickly that like um music to me was going to be about creating it myself like just learn how to play other songs was like great but there was always something missing because it, it i didn't write it and so like to me that was i remember from a very early age or early point in my musician you know learn how to play guitar as a very young kid being like we got to write this stuff we can't just play other people's stuff we can't just be in someone else's band like we have to write the lyrics and we have to write the chords and like that's what's going to make this fulfilling so when i got into high school you know i was pretty classic you know bob dylan and led zeppelin and dylan really grabbed me um because my mom always told me that neil young had a nasally voice which both of us agree is not the case. We've all both come around on his voice. <laughs> and he's now, you know, one of my... But I was raised on Dylan as opposed to Neil Young. And and uh, and he was the first one, you know. My dad had, like, the greatest hits, the blue one with the back of his head on vinyl. I raided their vinyl record collection. And and so that was, you know, I'm, I'm a sophomore in high school, maybe when I'm, like, finally starting to write some stuff that I think is decent. And then junior... As a junior and senior in high school, there's some songs that I still play that started to emerge. Cool. Um, like Nothing Special is the last track on the record. That is, f- I think that's the oldest song, and that's from like 04. I love the jam that happens at the end of that well, song. Well, that's because since it's the last song, yeah, no, I was great. like, I can just, we can let this go. Just fucking lean into it. Yeah, and just like let it go for Have a while. Moments. Yeah. yeah, that was a really fun one to record, and that's like, a very rare moment where I will do like a guitar solo. <laughs> That's cool um, though, man. Yeah. So that was super fun doing that. And then like Thomas had all these toys in the studio. We use like a theremin and he showed me how to make like white noise on one of his synthesizers. And we just kind of had a blast with that. And I was like, we can just do whatever we want. Cause people, it's the last song on the record. They don't have to listen to it. It's not like it's in the middle, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and I thought it was kind of a fun way to end the record. And, and, um, and with a little bit more of like a grungy kind of alternative sounding thing, yeah. um, which is, you know, maybe I, I you know, kind of, I've always struck like I've, that's kind of where I want to, I don't want to go like alternative rock, but like, I do like that kind of like grungy influence. I've always kind of wanted to be, to combine that like folk and prettiness with, with that grungy kind of, um, you know, uh, more deranged feel, um, 
So that's a little bit towards that. And, you know, that's something I, I'm kind of, you know, taking into account with this next record and stuff. I think um, you kind of fucking nailed that, dude. Like, cool. I think and that Neon like, Helps, that has a little more, like, stuff going on. It's got a little yeah. more, like, indie rock vibe to it. it yeah, and, that does. But, and, like, there's, there's such a cool uh, bluesy grittiness to some of the tunes. Cool, thanks. Yeah. Um, like, what's the second song on the record? playing with fire it's got that kind of dylan vibe yeah. but yeah and you yeah. got that like droned out vocal kind of happening yeah it's it. almost a little distorted <laughs> yeah. yeah so that one that's actually like we that was one of the first rounds of songs we did like back in like august of 2016 and that mix is actually this was before thomas had like computers where you could save our mixes and stuff so uh, half the songs on these records are actually like mixed live um like we had you know four hands on the meters and you know and that was actually thomas i was like can you just give me some rough mixes to take home you know because i was heading home for a little i headed back to massachusetts for a couple of months because i needed money <laughs> and uh <laughs> and um so i went back to work doing you know and after i built the studio and stuff so so i took i had like four or five songs most of which ended up on the record but that was that was just the rough mix he gave me and after listening to it for so long, we both agreed that we probably weren't going to do a better mix on that song. And it had kind of had these little gritty things to it that that kind of uh, we grew to like, like the vocals and stuff, you know. Um, and so that's actually just like a early rough mix that we decided to keep. As is Razor Wire. That was from the same batch. And that's my favorite track on the record. Cool. And man. we'll get we'll get into that one yeah, towards yeah. the end of the episode. But cool. Um. So was there was there a guitar already laying around your house then growing up? You know, I remember. So I'm the oldest of three, and one uh, one Christmas, my parents just gave the three of us a guitar. Okay. Um, just kind of as like you know maybe one of them will pick it up, and uh, it was just a tiny little like neon nylon string little baby guitar, and and I was the one who kind of picked it up. My mom was a piano player, and I had taken a couple. She had like you know. Typically, you know, as a kid, you know, your parents make you take piano. And I, I, I'm really glad she did. I wish I stuck with it more. Um, and I still dabble in the piano a little bit, but I wish I, I was better at it. But I picked up that that little guitar and started messing around with it. And um, I remember I took off the... I was like, real acoustic guitars have steel strings. So I took the nylon strings off of it and I bought steel strings and put it on this little baby kid guitar. And I didn't know, you know, the difference between nylon and steel, but the action was probably like an inch off the guitar neck because, <laughs> and the, I took it to a shop. I was like, why won't, you know, can you make the action better? And they were like, well, first of all, you need to get a real guitar. <laughs> like, and uh, and so so that was the story of that guitar. And that's probably still around somewhere in that house. But no, there, I, no one in my family play guitar um and so it was just kind of a miracle that they decided to give us that guitar and and then there was a great music teacher at the school i was at in our town and and he was he was awesome mr shepherd and there's this whole group of us now who are like touring around the country playing in bands who there's probably a, there's like eight eight of us probably that all took lessons from this one guy and we're all still doing music you know kind of because of him and um and he was he was awesome. So fortunately, there was like a little infrastructure, you know, in the community uh, that encouraged music and stuff. And and he would put on you know band night every year, and you'd get a band together with some guys in your grade or whatever. And so so there was like a little there was some encouragement, you know, from the people around, and 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 everyone was into playing guitar and stuff, obviously. But but yeah, that was um that was kind of how that went. Um, 
and your parents were obviously like pretty supportive. Of oh, the super supportive. And yeah, like yeah. They and, had um, a cool record collection. Yeah, and they had some pretty good records, and and yeah, they didn't. You know, it was all you know, kind of foreign stuff to them in terms of like pursuing it more seriously. But yeah, they were super supportive. You know, and and are to this day. You know, definitely. Um, yeah, they're great. Hell yeah! Well, let's uh, let's jump into a, a track off. Thank you, stranger. Sure. So that that new record that you just put out <laughs> and uh you're gonna get into sunset seven which i guess is like a little bit more like a bluesier yeah song. it's kind of it almost has a little bit of like a southern rock vibe yeah with the dude. organ that thomas played yeah yeah I, I, the keys I, yeah. on it are and like the guitar really nasty yeah oh that was my roommate jeremy yeah he's he's awesome he played my band in la and he did all the piano most of the piano on the record or if not all of it um yeah right on well this is it this is uh this is luke hogan sunset seven
Um, so where where does the the thank you stranger title come from? So that has been kicking around since I first started writing songs in high school, actually. Um, and so it's kind of cool to finally have something real to use it as a title for. And the idea is kind of just, um, you know, a lot of songwriters talk about this. It's it's just kind of like, where do these songs pop up? You know, because a lot of times, you know, they just kind of come out of nowhere. And I honestly sometimes have trouble. I feel like, you know, I don't even necessarily deserve the credit for them. Because they really, like, in some more than others, but, you know, they when you get the, like, the best songs, really, like, they kind of just come almost pre-written. I mean, um, definitely, like, I, I my approaches change a little bit, and I, but, you know, that's kind of, it's just, like, you know, these songs come from some sort of mysterious, strange place. And it's just, like, that's the idea behind that title is, like, thank you for, like, throwing them my way <laughs> as opposed uh, to someone else, you know, um, I suppose. You know, that's kind of like, I, I, you know, I wish I could, like, kind of manufacture songs in in the way that a lot of people seem to be able to or, like, I've very rarely done, like, um, you know, I can't just sit down and decide I want to write a song about something and then write a song about it. It's always just kind of like they kind of just, you know, the ideas kind of come and then, like, I realize m- more and more what they're about as time, as time passes and I and I um you know consider the lyrics more and more but you know it's kind of just like a nod to that little like inspiration wherever that comes from that that fuels a song you know um because I feel like you know like there's a lot of songs I'm like man I know I've probably played this chord progression a million times it's just a basic chord progression but for whatever reason this time I played it and it felt different and then some words came or something you know so that's that's kind of um you know at least at the very beginning, how I've always, you know, written and uh, and I'm I'm trying more and more these days to like kind of like work on like sitting down and trying to write and and trying to get to a point where I can create stuff kind of on my own terms. I feel like, but but uh, um, but that's kind of the gist of where that title came from. Um, and it was kind of this concept I thought of in 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 high school and i was just like that could be a cool name for a record someday and it's always stuck around you know for so you know i don't know 15 years later or something uh (laughs) here it is that's cool that it's stuck around that long yeah and i think like the sentiment behind that is so rad to just kind of give it it give it up to like the mysticism of of songwriting you know which i think most songwriters can probably identify with a little bit you know some people can just churn them out you know, like like they can sit down and be like, I want it to sound like this. I want it to be about this. And and they can just write them. Or at least that's how it seems. But, you know, I think most of us, uh, it, there's definitely a, a little bit of inspiration necessary in order to make something unique, you know. Um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's where that comes from. And I always, you know, I was always like, well, man, when I finally someday get around to making a record, that's going to be the name of it. So... So that was it. So I don't know what I'm going to name the next one. <laughs> I got to come up with something. <laughs> Are you someone that's usually writing from a first-person perspective? Are you good about being able to write someone else's story into your lyrics? You know, I would say they're primarily from a, a first-person point of view, but that's kind of exactly what I'm talking about is like wanting to like be able to vary that you know and and even like some of my songs that may be voiced in third person are actually from a, you know it's about it's like 
looking back at yourself. Um, but no, that's something I'd, I'd really like to be able to kind of expand the subject matter and, and maybe, yeah, like write something that isn't from your point of view, like try to get into someone else's head or someone who came from a different background or a different, you know, situation and like try to imagine what it would be like from that point of view. And, you know, um, and yeah, definitely to expand that subject matter, kind of beyond myself. At a certain point, it just starts, I don't know if selfish is the right word, but it's just, you know, maybe starts to become a little boring, you know? Um, but uh, that's kind of always been, you know, how I've written. But like I said, yeah, trying to get at a different perspective is or something is definitely a goal of mine. Yeah, I don't know, man. You, you seem, from my standpoint, listening to your tunes, you, you seem to have uh, this ability to paint like a pre- pretty vivid picture to me, but also remain vague at the same yeah, time through yeah, some yeah, of the lyrics, definitely. which I really dig. Cool, cool. And um, I don't know. I think for some people, the only way they can write is from that first person yeah, perspective, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, and, you know, because the vagueness, um, yeah, definitely. Because sometimes, you know, a lot of times, I'm really not entirely sure what the songs are, are about either. And sometimes it's a combination of a few different things, you know? Um, but... But, um, yeah, it's cool you dig that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, I don't know, you kind of touched on the sad boy genre of right, music or whatever. Yeah. But it's, has, uh, has the inspiration usually always come from a pretty heavy spot? Or um, not necessarily, you know, not not like not so much in the moment at least like not like oh my god i feel so horrible like or sad and like something pops right out usually um usually it's like after i've gained a little bit of distance from something that was particularly had an effect on me or something like that um uh yeah not necessarily in the moment type thing if that's what you're asking yeah and what about as far as were were you always pretty comfortable with getting up on a stage and and sharing your your voice with people? That's a good question. Um, you know, sometimes not. I've definitely, it's definitely certain. And you get, now that I'm performing more and more, you kind of just get past that thing. But no, definitely, you know, there's certain songs that I've always been like a little self-conscious about performing in front of people just because, you know, it's pretty heavy lyrically or something. Um, and and uh, so definitely a little bit of that, but more in the past, you know, more when... Um, that was more of a thing when like performing was was newer um, to me, and and now you just get more and more comfortable on stage, and and uh, and you realize that you know they the songs you know you know generally putting yourself out there has a positive effect on other people as opposed to like oh my god what's this kid's problem you know um, or something like that. So I have you know you get a couple you know you start to get a good response. Um, and it gives you a little more confidence to like keep going. Um, but I also along those lines, like I've always, I've always thought like you know even if it is like a heavier subject matter, um, there's something to be said for like discussing it or like presenting it in a way that isn't so in your face or or so heavy. And that's as a lyricist something that I think um, you know I should strive for, and, and we all should you know because that's just good writing. You know is is uh, is talking about something in a way that isn't so obvious or so blatant or so, you know, I don't know if offensive or like in your face is the right word, you know, but, but trying to discuss something that may be a, a heavy subject with a little bit of nuance or like maturity to it, or just an interesting different way to, to put it forth. That is maybe someone would hear it and be like, wow, that's like, they'd be more struck by, by the way it was presented as opposed to what was being presented. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, because I mean, most art is about 
heavy shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, some people can write happy songs, but that was all, that's another my fa- one of my favorite Nirvana songs back to them was Dumb. You know, he's yeah. like, I think I'm dumb or maybe just happy. He's like, I can't write anything. Cause, but he actually ended up writing one of his best <laughs> pop songs, ironically enough. But, uh, but um, you know, that line always struck me because I was like, oh, I feel that way too. Like when I'm like in a good place. Yeah, you know, I generally just cruise along and I'm not like thinking about writing. But, you know, every everyone writes about different stuff. But most art is is come comes from a somewhat heavy place, you know. And so it's all about how you kind of talk about it, I suppose. Yeah. Um what did you pick up on the most, like, while you're in L.A.? Like, what did you learn about yourself as a musician there? Um, well, um, well, I learned, what did I learn most from L.A.? L.A. is a tough place to live, man. Um, at least for me. Uh, I, I, what I learned, the best aspects of what I took away from L.A. were um, I learned a ton about recording there. And I learned a ton about, like, production and arrangement and tone and sound you know all my friends down there and i was really lucky to get to know a lot of these people that you know and the ones i didn't know already um you know just they were they just had unbelievable ears and i just i used to think you know oh it's just about the song just put a acoustic guitar and a vocal that's all you need and and now i'm just like no like there's so much more to this and like you know just messing around in the studio i learned a ton that's one of my favorite things to do now is is kind of just tweak sounds and like and and get them really dialed to where you think like you know like this sounds really unique or cool and you know you don't want to go overboard and too you know and that was the other the the subtlety and the nuance that like these guys would approach music with um where you just knew i just knew from 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 them that i was like all right if these guys think it's good then it's good you know and if they are doing it and they say this is how it should be then like they uh you know put your faith in them and listen to what they say and you know a lot of it is like that less is more approach which i kind of think is a great way to approach just about anything but yeah if one thing you know musically at least what i took away from the three years i spent there was like you know i just learned a ton about recording and about sound and stuff and about techniques to get creative with with recording and creating new sounds and and stuff um and that was really fun. You know, some of my favorite days just hanging with Thomas in the studio and just, you know, he'd have these ideas and, um, you know, I just get to kind of sit there and watch. And then as the record, you know, we did more and more, you know, more and more, I became a part of it. And, you know, so I kind of, that transition was really cool, you know, and then I'd start to have some ideas and, and now I'm getting, I'm starting to maybe gain a little bit of confidence. One of my goals has always been to record something that I feel like sounds cool enough to put out. And I'm like, maybe now starting to feel like I could give it a shot. Thanks. Like to to personally like engineer, produce something Um, in that way. You know, that's, it may, may or may not happen with this record, but definitely someday, you know, if not this one, then the next one. Um, That was what I took away musically from LA. Um, You know, in terms of just life experience, I, I just learned a lot there. I mean, that city, like show up there on your own, you know, in your, in your mid twenties and like, just try to figure it out. And like, you learn a lot about yourself, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I guess I'm kind of, I was like, you know, whether or not I'm crazy about LA, it's like, I, I can't, I gotta at least, I can't just leave after six months, you know, or something, no matter what happens. Like I gotta, there, there's a reason this, this place exists and, uh, you can learn a lot about yourself, um, uh, from just trying to survive there and what you're capable of. And a lot of people, you know, I think, I, I guess I'm, you know, I, I lasted uh, longer than I felt like, really. But uh, I was like, I got to give this place an honest try. Um, and and I, I think I learned a lot about just, 
how to survive out there in a world, you know, where you've got the skills you have and you got to make rent. You got to find a place that you can afford, you know, and then and then make it. So I, I survived, you know, uh, doing my carpentry on on my own and just hustling to get jobs and stuff. And then just, you know, stuff like that. You learn a lot about yourself and what you're capable of. Um, so that was cool. And uh, you learn a lot about sitting in traffic. And, <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> you know, you realize and, that all this traffic you, you're bullshitting yeah. about up here in Portland, yeah, Oregon is nonsense. It's not, it's not so bad. It's <laughs> not yeah. real. Yeah. That's not real. Yeah. Um, you got a lot of time to uh, reflect in, in all that traffic <laughs> up there. <laughs> did, did the carpentry stuff come pretty natural for you oh you know no not nearly as natural i i really uh um the first it clicked after about i always tell people you know i fucked it up for nine years and then the 10th year it all clicks that's kind of how carpentry that's how everything goes really. Ten thousand hours yeah so um but you know i i uh i was lucky to learn from some great guys and that skill has proved to be invaluable and um you know at this point i'm kind of trying to do less and less of it but it still is always kind of there I always know I can fall back on it, and if stuff gets real rough, I can just go get a job for six months and bank some money, you know, and get back to the music thing, which I, you know, trying to avoid. But you know, it's nice to have that to always fall. And I, the great thing about it is, like, I don't mind doing it. Um, and for a long time, I really um, had a, and I still kind of do. I just, you know, the music is kind of more my thing now. But you know, I, I really did have a real passion for that um, that trade and. You know, for a long time, it was my goal to kind of like, you know, have my own company with a few employees and stuff. And, um, um, but no, it's certainly, there's a little bit of art. There's a fair amount of like creativity and, and, and expression, you know, allowed within the confines of like carpentry as we know it. So that's always really fun. Um, you definitely, you know, you can be creative in that, um, in that, within that skill set. And, but no, it did not come easy. <laughs> um, it did not come easy. And I definitely had a few, uh, you know, pieces of wood hucked at me over the years, <laughs> but, um, you know, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you, I mean, you kind of answered it already, but just if, if you find there to be parallels between like the music process and the, the carpentry process and the creativity that goes into it. And also just like you're talking about having that tool that you can kind of bounce around wherever you yeah, want and you yeah. can go play this um, show or you can go build a house or, or right, in yeah. any any place. Well, I mean, it certainly was really cool to kind of get to see them, my two, you know, two of my favorite things I like to do to get to kind of meet up together and, you know, building that studio got me this record. And then, and they do, um, whether in a, you know, figurative or literal sense, um, literally they, they do, in, I mean, people who own studios or run studios, they need someone to build them for them, you know, and, and people, I'm always, I was always making little sound panels for my buddies in their studios and stuff. So I, you know, I was able to, you know, either trade it for recording time or just to like help out the guys in my band, you know, to kind of pay them back for all the time they'd spend. Like, that's one thing I've always done for guys who play on my records or play in my band is like, hey, if you ever need anything around your house or just anything, you know, just let me know and like I can come help you, you know, and that's that's one thing I can offer to people. Um, the barter system is yeah, still alive and it's well. It's still alive and well within <laughs> broke musicians, yeah. <laughs> But also, how fucking cool is it that you have, I mean, you obviously get this additional attachment to your record from like building the studio yeah. that it was created in, but now you have 
like this additional attachment to every record and ev- like all of the music that gets made in that place. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Like, no, as long and, as and it people, exists. you know, people really, they were always like really seemed like they were really psyched to like be like, oh, like this is a guy who made the studio. And they, I always got a lot of gratification. They were like generally, genuinely um, thankful and appreciative to that I had, you know, because people really dug it had a great it's got a great vibe this little room in cypress park and uh you know people seem to really like recording there so that that was really cool um to get to have been a part of that um especially since a lot of the people that have recorded there are, are really you know tremendous musicians accomplished you know people have been doing this for way longer than than I have, um, and have been all over the world playing music. So it was a cool way. It was kind of like my little in into that world of people who I otherwise really had no reason to be talking to, you know, um, people who are, you know, way, way ahead of me in terms of their, um, you know, touring history and, and, uh, and stuff. So it was, it was cool. It was kind of like a little, you know, I was like, well, I did build this studio, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, otherwise I probably wouldn't be here talking to you, but. <laughs> Um, I know you just got done doing a short tour run. Yeah. Um, is that something that you've uh, done quite a bit over the years? This was kind of, I've done a lot of like, you know, shows and I've traveled a fair amount around the Northwest at this point for like show here, show there. But this was kind of my first real tour, you know. Um, and I'd kind of been waiting, you know, I figured, you know, you might as well kind of, you know, doing a little run never hurts. But, you know, if you really do it you know you want to have that record out and ready to sell and stuff um so yeah this was the first time i had ever um i booked the whole thing um and that was a huge learning curve um but yeah this was the first i mean i was out for about 10 days so i'd never done anything like that very Um, cool and um but i had a blast the tour is unbelievable um you know i met up with uh Nicole was one of my friends in LA. She's Bay Area based now, but they, uh, her and, and this guy Jared used to be part of this band, Sioux City Kid, and they're now a duo. So we linked up. And I did a couple solo gigs. Uh, I did Olympia and Eugene, just little solo gigs. And we linked up in the Bay Area and did um, a show in San Francisco. And then we just we, we hit the road together for the next five or six nights and did uh, San Francisco, Ojai, LA, Mammoth Lakes. Uh, which is in the Eastern Sierras, and then Boise. Um, we played on Thursday night, and so I got home on Friday. And yeah, so and it, we just had every night just exceeded expectations. It was just you know a wild ride, and we had such a, we all got along really well, and we had such a good time. And and uh, so it couldn't have gone better. You know, it was an unbelievable time. Where where in uh, Ojai did you play? Ojai was a little bit of an adventure. We were supposed to play uh, Greater Goods um, on Saturday night, um, which is a really cool little like community art space that this guy Vaughn runs there, and and that show kind of felt had fallen through, and and uh, I I had trouble finding local support, and and Vaughn was busy promoting some other big things that he had going on up there, so. I had thought, you know, we were just going to hang out in San Francisco for the day off. and But he called me that morning and he was like, why don't you guys come through? Like, we'll figure something out one way or another. And so that actually ended up being one of the greatest nights of the tour. We hung out at this guy's awesome house, like up in the hills um, that night. And then we had, he was putting on like kind of a little daytime festival during the day that had a bunch of awesome local bands and a ton of people showed up. So we just, each each of us just did a short set before we had it. We were only an hour and a half from LA where yeah. we were playing later. So, so we did like kind of a short little afternoon set and, uh, it was just, we had everyone in that little town. I'd never been there before. Everyone there was just so 
nice and i mean it was just like it, i it's such a great little town i couldn't Dude, imagine it would be so awesome to live there that and, place uh, is magical yeah you've I, been so you've been so yeah, it's up, truly magical so i grew yeah. up like going there a lot my grandparents lived there for a majority like until up until i was 25 my grandparents oh, wow. lived there yeah. so and i lived like in corona cool cool like in the riverside area yeah yeah so i've been down there. yeah we used yeah. to go like i used to go up there all the time so it's a truly magical dude, place. place it really is so um, rad it's just this like it just hide whole, away from la yeah up in yeah. like up in the hills and, and the whole vibe is just like everyone is just super nice and um it seems like there's a pretty cool little i mean obviously i think it is essentially an artist community of or at least artistically leaning um but there's you know everyone there was really nice there's a ton of musicians there and so it worked out, you know, I can't wait to go back. Um, so, and that, that was just like getting to go hang in that dude's house. And he was, everyone there was so hospitable. And uh, it went from being like, just kind of what we thought was going to be a nothing night to like one of the great nights of the tour. And that's just how this tour was, you know, um, every, you know, and as it, as we got towards the end of it, we were, you know, I kept saying, you know, like mathematically speaking, one of these shows has got to be a dud because it's just the odds, you know, yeah. and, and every night, you know, right through the last night of the tour in, in Boise was was just you know exceeded our expectations you know every show was well attended and every every one all the people at all the venues the bartenders and the sound people were were awesome and um and yeah so we were just you know we had such an awesome time together and with all the people we met and um yeah, it couldn't have gone better, man. Especially, you know, I, I was going into this with the lowest expectations I could have because it was my first time putting the shows together and first time, you know, going out on... I, you know, I, I was just planning on playing to empty rooms every night, you know? <laughs> so, so uh, you know, every everything turned out... And, and it just turned out to be so much the opposite of that. Um, and, you know, sleeping in my truck somewhere because I had no... You know, and, yeah. and but every night it was just... Uh, one of the highlights of the trip was getting to go to Netflix headquarters <laughs> for lunch in L.A. Nicole's boyfriend, uh, he's like a... He's an animator there, and, and we crash at his place after we played the love song in LA and and they get like catered lunch every every day there that we had like steak and mashed potatoes <laughs> at, at net we were riding scooters around Netflix some rock star shit over yeah Netflix. And, like, and they got fridges full of food in every room and drinks it was that was like one of the high that was the best launch we had was at <laughs> Netflix headquarters in Hollywood <laughs> And you've been up in Portland for like a year now? Uh, I signed a lease on January 1st, so as the months go. Okay. Um, I so got up here in. around Christmas time, All and right. I, uh, you know, just crashed and, and was looking for an apartment. And I, yeah, so just about 10 months going going on a year at the end of the year, so uh, as the months go, yeah. Yeah, and I know when I met you that night at the library of your, your album release show, you, yeah. you were speaking highly of it and you seemed like you were uh very impressed by like the, oh, wel I, I the really, welcoming environment of yeah like, man this um, community i really you know there's uh definitely like just you know la didn't have a whole i think there is some community in la but it's a different community i i you know it's a lot of my friends down there were just you know it was there's a di i never really found the genre match down there um you know i never really found the you know, I'm not even sure what genre my music is, but it's kind of like a lot of my friends were in like, you know, heavy psych rock bands or like very experimental synth pop type stuff. Just, you know, and, and they're all great, but it just wasn't quite the right scene, you know, for someone like me with the music I make. And um, 
up here, I just immediately found like kind of the right little scene, and and it's a smaller, more tight knit community, and you know it's easier to get to know people, and then you realize they all kind of know the same people. So like I very immediately felt um, a, a real sense of community here, um, even though I'm just kind of starting to to like you know get the lay of the land and and meet all the people and stuff. But I could definitely tell that you know whether or not I was a part of it yet, it was it was definitely here and. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm really psyched to be here and, and just, you know, let time do its thing and, and kind of really looking forward to meeting the rest of the people making music. I've also just been blown away by the talent of the songwriting, you know, and, and challenged again in a new way. You know, every time I go out to these shows, I'm like generally genu genuinely excited to like see who's going to be playing and to hear their songs Um you know, whereas a lot of time in L.A., it's like it's just more of a networking thing, you know, or something. You know, you you, you got to find some other bands to play with. And I, I left a lot of shows down there just not generally psyched about about stuff. And up here, it's just, I mean, not to downplay anyone down in Los Angeles. I just never found my little community there. And, uh, and up here, it's just the total opposite. You know, there's just so many great songwriters and... And such a, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a much better vibe for me, at least, you know. Yeah, man. Well, I know that, that LA scene can be a little rough, you know, especially with so much of it being like pay to play shows. And oh yeah. Like, that like was the kind whole of the sunset strip like scene. My, yeah. My band trying to like play music out there. It was always this pay to play situation where it's not, it's really hard to build community that way. For oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, like like you said, I think that those communities exist. They're just like kind of harder to tap into and yeah. harder to find just because the population is so well, much yeah, bigger. Well, yeah, it's just such a big place. It's yeah. hard to – it's like you kind of – you might get one little thing going here, but then it's kind of just a one-off show because, you know, it's just there's so many other bands. It's it's hard to kind of like – yeah, to, to get to build any traction with a certain group of people or a certain group of bands. Um it, to me, it all—it seemed like you know a lot of the the people who had like grown up there were like very you know keyed in and like were successful there. And I think it's because you know building relationships and networking with in the world of music just takes a long time. And and in a city that expansive and with that many bands and that many different you know parts of town and the and and getting across town is just such an you know it's just really yeah. hard to expect anything to take you know in a situation like that whereas here it's like you know everyone's 15 minutes apart you know we're all playing the same venues and and um it's just a lot easier uh you know to kind of like figure out the community and be and 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 to have a community you know because it's just it's easier to get around town it's easier to go to shows and um yeah so it's just it's a huge step in the right direction as far as i'm concerned yeah man well i appreciate the fuck out of your tunes like thank I, you like really love the thank you stranger record cool thank you so much yeah. just so many jams on there that that hit hard for me and uh i'm glad we got to host your uh your album release at the library. You yeah, were one that, of the last. That, yeah, that I was guess one of the last unfortunately shows. Unfortunately, it turned so, out yeah, to be one of the last yeah. shows there, uh, which is a real bummer. But um, I really enjoyed the set and getting to see you play the tunes live. Thanks, and, man. Yeah, dude. I, I I dug into the the Nomad. 
Oh, the EP. EP as yeah. well, just to cool. like get some context. And and there's some cool songs on there. And I know Neon is on Neon, there. Like a, a little more of like a bedroom pop. Yeah, it's, like it's kind of like a little version. like uh, it's way simpler. It's almost a little like on the grungier side almost. And yeah. uh, But yeah, people seem to dig that EP. Uh, you know, people like it. I'm always like, oh, man, we just threw that together. Um, but that was my buddy Johnny helped me out when I first got to LA. He was like, you know, let's just. He had a Tascam, well, the bigger ones, the uh, 488s or the 388s, um, quarter inch tape, uh, eight track machine. Um, you know, they're pretty big. And so we did that on that in this like uh, uh, rehearsal space that he was using and um, kind of just threw it together. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, I like to, it's, it's fun. It's a fun little EP, you know? It's cool, man. And, but, yeah. the, but it also like, I think it's, cool to have that because it definitely shows the evolution to the sure. next thing yeah yeah and uh you definitely tapped into something with this collection of tunes i think that is cool yeah definitely just like more focused yeah and yeah. but has so much vibe to it and captures just such a cool feeling cool man thank you so much yeah yeah, yeah. and i'm stoked to i'm stoked to hear what you you crank out next just because <laughs> it's like you seem to have had this shift in your lens of like you were talking about having more of that like producer mentality and yeah and trying to do that on my own and try to you know get out of my own head somehow or another you know is kind of my goal for this next thing and and yeah so i'm hoping to really get some time to to at least make some real demos and stuff and maybe send them down to thomas and and send them to sierra over at public display and just see what they think you know um and uh and see what happens you know yeah, <laughs> i don't know i mean i not to bring back i guess this is a turn into a nirvana themed uh <laughs> conversation here which was by no means the plan but uh i've always like so they made nevermind and it was like very polished and like very you know it was a huge deal and, and then they made in utero which is just like raw and like yeah. people were just like this is the follow-up to that record like what's wrong with you and like that's kind of like my goal for this next one is like because i i this was the chance i had to you know make a you know a lot of production and like it even though it polish may not be the quite the right word but but uh it's definitely like it's a studio you know I, we took a lot of time with it and i'd kind of love to do something that is just like oh like like this is the follow you know i kind of you know like make it a little sparser and just be like wow we were expecting some some big thing but like just do like a little but have it be big in another way you know like a little more i don't know i'm rambling now but. <laughs> <laughs> you're good you're good well, um, we're gonna play it out with razor wire which cool. i mentioned earlier cool. is my my favorite jam on the record sweet thanks man such a killer tune and we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program Oh, it's a program. I'm oh, you're Johnny, already Johnny will love that. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so if we get the, the Luke Hogan, it's a program. We can properly uh, sail cool. this thing out, man. All right. It's a program. He nailed it. It's Luke Hogan, everybody. <laughs> I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can follow awesome. you. And cool. On, on yeah, your, and thank your you so much for and coming. And to anyone who listens to this, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, dude, this was super fun. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely put those links there so people can follow up and, and hopefully give you a follow on your your Spotify yeah, and all, all the iTunes stuff. and all yeah. that stuff. I keep trying to stress the importance to people. Yeah, that, that, that is, is a lot know, of free. It's a lot of free yeah. shit. So if you yeah. just giving somebody the follow on their social media or or on their like Spotify <laughs> just to like 
increase those numbers. No, that's what musicians, unfortunately, that's kind of the best thing you can do. One of the best ways you can show support for musicians these days is the Instagram and Facebook and Spotify follows and stuff. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. It's important to the visibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sounds petty. It does. It sounds (laughs) petty. It's important (laughs) to the visibility. And we need your support, people. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, we're doing it. We're going to play it out with uh, off the Thank You Stranger record. A song called Razor Wire. That's the Jelly Jams, everybody. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. It's a program.